Welcome to episode 2 of Breaking the Dice. On today's episode, Michelle, Paul, and Jay review the games they've played since the last episode. We'll get Jay's recap on Gamma. And finally, finish with a discussion of board game apps. Hey gamers, it's Michelle with Breaking the Dice, and I'm here with Jay. What's up? And Paul. Hey everybody, how's it going? And this week, uh, Jay has brought us back some exciting news from Gamma. But before we get to that, I kind of want to go over just some of the stuff we played since last time we spoke. So I know that Paul and I tried out Vast, which is the asymmetrical game where you are, it's a dungeon crawl, but everybody takes on a different role and you all have your different goals. So I was playing a knight and my job was to go in and kill the dragon and that was how I won. And Paul, you were the dragon. Yeah, I was playing the dragon, and uh, my goal was to, you know, to basically get some treasure and escape and, and do all that fun stuff without without getting killed. I love the artwork on this game, and I really loved the idea of it. I don't know if I'm just not experienced, or uh, maybe I just don't have a love for the asymmetricals like I thought I would, because this is probably the biggest one I've played, but I don't know. I think I love the idea of the game more than I actually enjoyed the gameplay. Maybe it's one of those, if we play with more players, it'll come out better. What were your thoughts, Paul? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really like the asymmetry. I think that's that's its real charm. It's it's really interesting, uh, but it, it does kind of, you know, we, we were playing the knight and the dragon, and, um, you know, there there are certain tools available based on those roles, but you know, like without the goblins, I had to do a certain amount of maneuvering just to, just to be able to do what I need to do. Because as as a dragon, you're also supposed to be eating the goblins, but no one's playing the goblins. Uh, so you know, there were a lot of there were a lot of little things like that, like little interactions where it's like, well, you're not playing with this player, so you sort of have to proxy them in some way, or there's special special rules to how yeah. they play. So my biggest concern there is that I didn't, I wasn't sure having been the first game we played I wasn't sure how well it was balancing so uh, I think it's a game that if if I were to recommend it did definitely steer towards a larger player count so that the roles are represented and everybody's getting a chance to do their thing to everybody in your party who needs to be a gamer because it yes, is it does yes. have the nice thing of I can just hand out your roles and go over the general here's how you move here's your actions type of rules and then your sheet is going to tell you everything you can do but man that was really clunky mm-hmm. and like yeah and with with everyone kind of pulling in in different directions you know like like you as the knight are trying to kill me but as the dragon i don't really care about you like i i could try to kill you but that's a waste of my time that's not what i'm after so yeah it's 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 kind of odd in that respect that you know that i think it's meant to breed chaos it's it's meant to kind of have everybody playing at their own playing at their own role and when you interlock them all together you know one one player's doing their thing and they're in, interfering with somebody else's goals not because they want to mess with that player but because that's just how they yeah. how they achieve their goals it's not so much of a take that's really i mean there are like my goal was to kill you but it, was, it didn't feel real take that take that or like a back and forth like it, i'm with you it felt like you were just doing whatever you were going to do, and I'm wandering around trying to find you. 
And so yeah. I don't know. Not 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 a not a great model for a two player game, but no, definitely. I I don't think they really uh, they really intended for for that game to be played two players a whole lot. I think they expect larger player counts because it is more fun when every every role is represented. You know, like the the when the cave is a player and the cave is actually doing doing things actively to interfere or to to try to accomplish their goal. Then that makes it a little bit more interesting. So. So I want to see it with higher player counts. Yeah, definitely. I would love to play it with a higher player count. But once again, this isn't something you want to give your newbie gamer friend or somebody who, you know, hasn't played anything except for maybe some of the entry-level games. Because it really is a lot to take in. And all you're doing is your role. And obviously the strategy is going to build a little bit more as you know what other people are trying to do and what powers they have and what options they have. Um because you can focus on your own goal, but you really can't uh, focus on what the other people are going to try to do without knowing how their roles work as well. Another game we tried out this week was Roadhog, which was one Jay brought back from Gamma. Um, I am enamored with this game. I thought it was great. Um, It came out of Ultra Pro, which is, you know, the guys who make sleeves. So not really a big game company, but a name we're familiar with. And the only feedback I can give them that isn't the greatest is that rule book. Um, They've got to work on making the rules more clear, more defined. And, like, there was the roadwork tile. And at the beginning it says, you know, set the roadwork tile aside if this is your first game. And never again is that title mentioned. Yeah, and I think I think uh, that's one of the one of the things we kind of figured out with with all of the the ultra pro games we looked at at the time. It's you know the these games have have a little bit of something going for them. They're they're kind of interesting, but the rules are are, are just not written very well. They're not they're not written for human consumption. Uh, so I think Roadhog, as much as I liked the game, you could have taken that rule book. And cut it in half, and if if you'd been a little bit more careful with how you presented those rules, it would have been a lot better that way. Yeah, but it's super fun game has a little has a little racetrack, and you are cars trying to get through the highway, and it's got these little white traffic cars that you'll move around depending on dice, and that it, that game does have a very much take that, and you're throwing out all this fun stuff that's very well themed and fits. You know, you've got the guy who's like road rage, and so he's yelling at people, so it's causing them to swerve. Um, at one point, I cut somebody off and flipped a car, which made it where Paul couldn't move. Um, super fun little game, goes really quick. Um, and honestly, I we talked about it then. I gotta say, I like it better than Formula D for what it is. Yeah, I mean, g- given that it is a very, very different game, an entirely different weight from a game like Formula yes. D. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's not, and it's also kind of not really a racing game. It, it kind of is, but it's more of a, it's more of a stuck in traffic kind of game. But the theme was the theme was pretty pretty well received, and I think it I think it blended pretty well. Uh, you know, it, I I would like the option for a little bit more weight to it, but that's just because I'm, you know, I'm kind of a gamer, so. So I'm I'm I tend I tend to steer in that direction, uh, but steer. yeah, like something like I see what you did there. ha ha, yeah, you know something like unique unique character roles, like everybody has yeah. uh, has a special power, something like that. A little a little bit of extra flavor um, could, could add a lot to it, but for for a super simple quick game, I thought it was great. Yeah. One thing I want to mention on that is Ultra Pro's doing some interesting things. 
Um, they've got a guy leading up their board game division that came from AEG. Oh, nice. Um, was responsible for the big geeky box for Smash Up and is now leading up the um, the board game division there at Ultra Pro. And he's he's done some good stuff. They ended up, uh, they bought Flag Dash. And so they own the rights to Flag Dash, which was, according to uh, Board Game Geek, the top new game last year. Um, it was making oh, some waves wow. for, for being a big, uh, a fun new kind of family-style game. And plays really fun. I mean, it, it's quick and quick and simple. The other thing I want to touch on with Roadhog was the quality of the components. The cardboard squares that they use for the the tiles for the road are made with a backing on them, similar to like a mouse pad, and it keeps those tiles from sliding around as much, which is something that I have never seen in any other game that uses a tile. And I think it's just something that takes Ultra Pro up that next step on on what they're doing with those. You're always bumping the table or you know moving those, and then they get knocked around, and then you got to replace them. And that, that rubbery backing really makes a big difference in trying to keep those tiles in place and not having to worry about it sliding across the top of your table or anything. So just, just things they're doing. I know one other thing they're, they've been talking about is making some of their what, what they're doing with card games, actually incorporating their like deck boxes with the card game. So you buy the card game, you get the deck box with it, because that's what they can do since they are ultra pro. What about what about you guys? Did you guys have any other cool games you've played since we talked last? Anything? We did play Citadels this last weekend. That was a really fun game. I think it plays really well up to. I mean, we had what six players at most in there, and I mean it moves it moves along pretty quick, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. It's basically a game where you're lords and you're trying to take out each other. Kind of reminds me in the same vein of Seven Wonders. Kind of that weight. Good for a multiplayer, but has a little bit more meat to it than just a code names or something like that. Yeah, sort sort of a sort of a set collection game. It's an interesting game. Everybody gets to have these special characters that that add powers every round. So, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, we also what did we play? Uh, New York Slice. Yeah. This last weekend as well. Yeah, it, it it deserves a mention if if for no other reason than it's it's the only game I've ever played where. Throughout playing it, every everyone said, "I'm I'm kind of hungry." Yeah, right. It, it makes you want pizza. The, yeah. the images of the pizza yeah. just make it, you want pizza. There, there there's some good more. theme for you. Yeah, you can't get more thematic than a actually the board box. The cardboard box is shaped like a pizza box and opens up from the one side like a pizza box. The it rules for the game is actually like a fold out menu and is very. I mean, you could probably stick it on a restaurant and fool somebody. In fact, the score card the little score pad looks like a receipt and paul actually had it in his pocket and threw it on the table at dinner and just tripped me out because i had no clue what that was because i thought it was an old school handwritten receipt so uh very thematic game i thought it was fun definitely a little bit too light i feel like for our group but i would definitely suggest this for a family a uh, family game, getting together for the holidays, or, you know, it's summertime is around the corner, so it'd be a really easy game to play outside, on the deck, type of thing. Yeah, it is It is about a 15-minute game, and uh, when I first saw it, when I first heard about it, I looked it up on Board Game Geek, and I, I think it had a, a weight rating of something something in the neighborhood of 1.5. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so initially that had kind of turned me off. It is it is a really that light game. That might be a little more than what it's weighted. <laughs> 
that might be yeah. a little further. There, there's not there's not much to it. Not a lot not a lot to worry about. Not a lot of complicated mechanisms. You could probably get away with playing the game and just picking pieces that that uh, look the tastiest. And and I think yeah. that's probably a fine strategy. And see how it goes. Jay is back from Gamma, and he was out there with uh, the game store here locally, Village Geek. And tell us some of the fun things you got to see and do and talk to. And well, maybe a quick, just a quick intro on what Gamma is. So Gamma is the retailers' convention every year. Uh, they help hold it in March. It's kind of what each of the publishers kind of come and talk about what they're releasing for the upcoming year, what their recent releases are, and what they have expected throughout the year. Um, it gives the retailers a chance to kind of sit down, play some of the new stuff, some of the concept games, and kind of see and ex- what what they can expect throughout the year for bringing into their shop to sell out to the customers. The important the important distinction on Gamma versus any other is this is a true trade show. It is meant for people in the business, and you have to get invited. So it's a very select group. It's a much smaller convention i'm using quotations here because it truly is a trade show not so much like a bgg a gen con origins anything like that yeah it it truly is just retailers and and retailer employees Um, which makes it really fun there's a lot of sessions tailored specifically to retailers how how to run your shop things you can do in your shop to to make more money things like that to really bring new retailers up and kind of lead them down the path of, of owning a good FLGS or a good friendly game store. Yeah, Jay came back knowing how to set up a cappuccino machine, so that's a thing he can do now. Okay, it was maybe more of what cappuccino machine to buy if I was going to do the cafe model of a game store. <laughs> oh, okay. That. Um, and then the other thing they do besides these these sessions is they also have each publisher has their own session um, at least the big major publishers each had their own session where they can go in and they talk about the upcoming games. I don't know. My favorite, I think, would have to be Cool Mini or Not or Simon. The, the big announcement that they made at Gamma that was released about two minutes after they announced it in the session was that Eric Lang, which is the maker of way too many games, uh, but most notably lately is Rising Sun, which is in Kickstarter right now, and he is joining the forces of Cool Mini or Not as their director of game design, so he won't be working with other publishers going forward. Listening to him kind of talk was, was really fun. Listening to him talk about The Godfather, which is his new upcoming game, releases this summer, expected to release around July time frame to re- brick-and-mortar retailers, and then about a week later, Cool Mini or Not's going to release it uh, publicly. I saw that. Um, I was watching the Dice Tower coverage on Gamma. That game has some interesting components and with it. And also, like, if, you've, if you're a fan of Godfather, obviously I think this will be a shoe in for your collection. But as somebody who, I'll confess, has never seen it, it's still really intriguing to me as, like, an area control game. And then there's, like, the little tin suitcases. And it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, the tin suitcases are just kind of taking the components a step above with them. Just kind of adds that little fun layer. You're, you're playing as the other five families trying to become the next Dawn at the end. And it, it just kind of plays really well. The, the money changes hands. 
you're trying to get your clean money into your suitcase and then kind of I, I believe it's whoever has the most clean money at the at the end wins you've got little miniatures for each of the each of the other families so it's still it's still along that mini style game for Eric Lang but it's it's a big box strategy board game so it's it really looks fun artwork's really good and really gives you that Godfather vibe so that that's one that really I'm looking forward to from them coming out later this year. The other one that that Simon has is that was the big announcement was the Song of Ice and Fire, which is their Game of Thrones Warhammer war game. game. Yeah, it's going to be a miniatures game like the Warhammer and that realm. Uh, the big difference between this and anything uh, Games Workshop or War Machine, those, those kind of things, is that. All the miniatures for the Song of Ice and Fire are going to come pre-assembled. So you don't have to, like the others, you don't have to sit there and assemble all the parts and then paint it or paint it and then assemble all the parts. Everything's pre-assembled, you just paint it and you go on. Yeah, a little bit more user-friendly for those of us who haven't played those kinds of games before. I don't enjoy assembling miniatures. It's not something I... I want to do as a pastime. So they're going to have three different sculpts, at least, for each faction or each set of miniatures so that that's kind of cool adds some variety to the look they have planned releases for i believe all of 2018 which is pretty crazy it's about once a month or once every couple months they're going to have a release of something new they're basing everything specifically on the books not the television show so if you've read the books and you can kind of follow what characters will be in it. The base starter set and the unit boxes for the base are going to be Kickstarter. And then the rest will be retailer releases. So those, those first sets will only be Kickstarter. So that's, that's an important note for everybody. If you're wanting to get into this, you're, you're going to have to hit Kickstarter up. I'm sure they'll release them too retailers after the kickstarter but the other big thing from simon from a retailer standpoint was that simon's going to start allowing retailers to take kickstarter backing so they can they can sign up as a retailer with cool mini or not after a kickstarter campaign ends they can pledge just like a normal backer so they can take pre-orders from customers and then go out and pledge for that you get all the kickstarter exclusives everything that comes along with the kickstarter pledge you're just doing it through your local game store rather than on your own. So you don't have to put your credit card into Kickstarter, give it all that information. You go and you can pay your local game store. They can back it for you and then sell it to you and kind of help out your own local game store a little. Which that to me was a big thing. I mean, they're really oh, pushing, yeah. helping the local game stores stay around. Well, I, yeah. I really like it because I like having a place to go and play games. Well, yeah, and also, um, Kickstarter's been hard for the brick and mortar, the brick and mortar stores. I mean, you're already fighting with like the beast that is Amazon, and a lot of local game stores cannot compete compete with those prices. A Kickstarter is hard because you can't get the new hot game, you can't have it available for your customers, and it's ultimately sales that you're losing out on. And I don't know, it just seems like it makes the brick and mortars kind of seem behind the times. It's they finally get in their new copy of the hot game. Well, everybody who wanted it bought it 6 months ago. Exactly. And a lot of those it, they wouldn't have it for 6 months until after that Kickstarter fully pledged, funded and everything was shipped out and then they actually started getting copies in that the retailers they could sell to retailers. 
So, so it was. It's good to kind of see that route going. So so aside from you get to you get to hand your hand your fistful of dollars to somebody you know in your your local shop. You know, how is this, is this going to change the timelines at all? Am I still going into the game store and saying, you know, in about nine months, this, this rising sun or, or whatever is, is going to drop and I'd really like to have a copy. So here's my, here's my money. Um, and then I, and I sit back and wait and hopefully, hopefully haven't moved by the time it shows up. Is that, is that about how it's going to work? Or is, is there a, is there any hope that there's a more of a truncated timeline? That's still the same way it's going to work. Basically, the pledge manager that goes out after the campaign goes to the brick and mortar, and they they can pledge for how many copies they want. They can also pledge for more and then get the actual Kickstarter exclusives and sell up sell the bundle in store as well after after it funds and after it ships. They're expected to ship at the exact same time as a normal backer. The other benefit I kind of see from this from a normal game store is it allows them to kind of take a, a pay-as-you-go pre-order so you can put down whatever the, the local retailer requires, 50%, whatever, and then pay each month so kind you're not paying that big $100 up front. Well, and also a lot of Kickstarters, especially if you're a CMON fan, they add on things as they go, and it's like, oh, well, do you want this cool mat? We're going to add $30. So it kind of allows you to do that and break it up as well. So that was that was the big stuff from CMON. Some interesting things. All the artwork on everything, all the miniatures look really pretty. It's tough to pass up on CMON anytime they do anything. The other, the other one that was kind of surprising to me was AEG and what they've been kind of doing lately. They've got the new The Captain is Dead that I think releases end of March, if I remember correctly, or right around yeah, right there. this time of year. That game is getting a lot of love. They, they, they tout it as Pandemic meets Star Trek. So it's a, it's a cooperative space game where you're trying to repair parts on your ship to meet a destination or to get to a destination or meet a goal, end goal. It's supposed to play in about 45 to 60 minutes, even with a new group. So that's, I think, why it's getting a lot of buzz. The only thing that draws me back on that is the $50 price tag. The components looking at it aren't real flashy to me. There's a few little plastic pieces. The rest is all cardboard. I feel like it should be a cheaper game than 50 bucks. But I don't know. That seems to be kind of the way some of the publishers are going higher. Some are going lower. Mm-hmm. It just kind of depends on the publisher. Got to, got to pay for that IP, seem, too. Yeah, and AEG seems to be on the high end of, of a lot of the stuff that I saw that I was really impressed with. Their prices seem to be a little higher for what I would expect from a game of that look and caliber. Their other big thing, big announcements, were their Big in Japan games that they've been importing from the Big in Japan games uh, publisher. The big one to me was Custom Heroes, which is their new card crafting, it's a trick-taking ladder style game. So you you basically have your, your hand of cards like you would a normal trick-taking game, and then you can craft these cards to turn them into different numbers or different things as you're playing. So instead of having four ones at the end, you might end up with eight ones because you've crafted these cards into different numbers. So it, it plays and kind of modifies the game as you're going along and co- continues on with that Mystic Veil card crafting technique that they've been bringing through. They said that they're trying to get this one down in price to about $30, which I think at $30 it's a good a good deal. 
Um, they're having some problems, though, with those clear cards and, and the cost of those clear cards that they're not sure if they're going to be able to reach that $30 price tag. With that, Paul and I actually went through and set up Mystic Veil, which was the first starter of the card crafting system. And, oh my goodness, that is so much work because every single one of these clear cards has a translucent plastic covering. So we're literally sitting there peeling cards and there's so many of them and then you have to go through and sleeve all the standard backs that took so long to set up i'm so glad we weren't like hey let's just sit down and play this because it's like an hour of just peeling those cards and sleeving i don't know it, it, it might be my new favorite game uh, we didn't actually get get around to playing it because <laughs> yeah. it took so long to do all of that. But uh, you know, I had a we had I had a great sticking. time. Yeah, we had fun sticking the sleeves that we were pulling off you know, to yeah. stuff. Yeah, and you know, and a, a bit of advice to to all the people that are out there and 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 giving it bad reviews for for the cards being hard to see through. You might have to go back and check to see if you left those left those covers on. They get a little bit cloudy with with all those those protective plastic sheets on it. Didn't you guys have some issues with a couple of the cards after you pulled those plastic sleeves off of them, too? So, yeah, and AEG, shout out to AEG, because they responded to my email the next day about it. But it looks like when they went through printing, instead of printing to the hard, like, clear card, it stuck to that cellophane covering instead. So when you peeled it apart, the card would not have the image and the stuff on it, but the cellophane that you're pulling off did. So... Be careful with that as you guys are, you know, un, you know, especially if this card crafting system stuff seems to be taking off. It definitely seems to be a direction AEG is wanting to support. I know they've got a bigger game coming out in the Mystic Veil uh, type of realm. So just be aware of that. And so once I came across that, I kind of went a little bit more slowly to make sure that there weren't more that way. Yeah, so AEG and Simon outside of the Asmodee umbrella were two of the big ones that I was impressed with. The other one was Quick Simple Fun Games. Has some has a couple of games that look really, really good coming out. One of those is Russian Bash, which they're kind of deeming as a, as a Mario Kart board game. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited for this game. Not even going to lie. I, I really love the artwork on it. Each player has a different character that they're playing. Each character has three levels of abilities that they can use, and they can get stars while you're playing throughout the game to level up that ability so that you can use it. So if you get three stars, you have this really powerful ability that kind of gives you that catch-up mechanic in the game that you can use to move a lot of spaces so you can kind of catch up if you've died a bunch. And it plays very much like a Mario Kart game would. You're going around the board in your car. You're playing cards to... Heal yourself up, launch missiles at other players, lay bombs on the board. And so you're just going through and trying to take out the other players, but finish first on on the one lap. It plays just a single lap. You could play it more if you wanted. It's just fun. The artwork on those cards is really cool, and they really thought the game out and how it plays. The other one they've got coming out is called Veggie Garden, and it's a really simple market manipulation around having a board of veggies and you're trying to get the highest point hand of these veggies. So you've got this four by four grid laid out of just different veggie cards and you're swapping those out throughout the game. You have, Each veggie has a different ability. So you've got carrots, potatoes, 
tomatoes, peas, and peppers. And they all do different things. One allows you to swap cards with the cards in the play area. One allows you to swap one out of your hand with one of the other ones out there. One allows you to pick a card and swap a different card. So, I mean, they all do different things. You can move what they call the bunny around, which the bunny basically takes up one of the score points slots. So it makes whatever vegetable is next to that point slot be worth nothing. And then there's also the the groundhog, which also allows you to swap some of the vegetables around in your garden. Really fun, really kid-friendly look and appeal, but even even has some weight to it with that stock manipulation, kind of market manipulation, for even an adult to play. And it, it was really fun. I played it with Jed from the Village Geek, and we both had a really fun time with it. Definitely some people that really get into those mar- market manipulation, stock manipulation style games would probably really like it even more. Really fun teaching game, though, with kids with that with that stock manipulation style. And that's a theme that there is not enough of, is vegetable gardens. At least you give them credit for a different theme. Everybody needs more vegetable garden. So outside of that, just a few more games that I wanted to touch on. Days of Wonder. If you really like the first journey, if you've got young kids, Ticket to Ride is going to be releasing the new Ticket to Ride First Journey Europe. Um, the big key for this one, it is not ti- it is not locked into Target only. It's not a Target exclusive. You will be able to find it at your local game store if they stock it. It's really good entry-level game for the young child, learning board games. Really basic, simple, but really good to bring up a young child and not feel like you're playing... Candyland. Nothing don't, against Candyland, don't, but no, don't, not, don't play Candyland. Everything against Candyland. Don't play it. Yeah, yeah. Please, let's. I will play Monopoly before I play Candyland. I I don't know. Candyland plays quick, at least. Monopoly's five hours later. No, somebody will get mad and quit and rage before five hours. It's okay. The other one that they have, they've got a small world expansion coming out. It's called the River World. So it, it plays with the original Small World stuff and adds a river board to the game. That makes me so excited. So, so the, the Small World Underworld already had a river. So what, what, what are they doing there? It's, this is an actual river board. I believe it replaces the original board to play on. So it's a new board that you can play that's the River World expansion. And then it's also got some additional races to go along with that. You can also use it, I believe they said, with the Underworld base. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, is if it's going to be something that's more interchangeable, because Paul and I messed around with the Underworld, and it really doesn't mesh with the, you need to play one or the other. I believe since it is an expansion, it will mesh with either one. Um, They weren't 100% on, on the Underworld side, but they said it should work just fine with the Underworld as well. Yeah, the, the big problem between the, the regular Small World and Underworld is just that some of, the, some of the races and some of the powers specifically reference things on the board, and in Underworld you have, you have a whole different board. All of the, all of the territories are completely different. So, so that's, that's one of the big barriers there. I was just kind of curious, because they do have kind of that, that river mechanism already in Underworld. I wonder if they're, they're kind of picking up to play on that and allow regular small world players to pick that up. I feel like Underworld didn't get a whole lot of love, and uh, you know, justifiably so. I think I think the regular Small World is probably a better game. Not that not that they're different. They're they're basically the same game with different yeah, components. But I would agree. I would agree. I, I prefer the original. Also from Days of Wonder, I believe it's yeah, it's a Days of Wonder game. Is Yamatai? 
which is this from is the expansion, though, right? Is this no, this is Yamatai, the base oh, game. I was thinking of the um, other one, the other big game that came out with an expansion that I just totally forgot. Onitama. Onitama has their big expansion that they released at Gamma. So Yamatai is, is Days of Wonder. It's uh, from Five <laughs> this Tribes Designer. Real life. Things like the it's real life. I'm not lying about this. So this is from Five Tribes Designer Bruno Cathala. It's a Japanese-inspired mythology game. It's just it, it's the one game that really captured me on artwork, and it's I passed a, it. A beautiful game. Oh, it is amazingly beautiful. I passed it in the uh, exhibit hall, and I, I kept going back to it because the the artwork is just hands down beautiful, and I couldn't get over it. I took I don't know how many pictures of this game because I couldn't get over the artwork and how pretty it looked. It's supposed to be available in April. It's going to be available in retailer or in brick and mortars two weeks before it's available anywhere else. So if you're looking for this game, you're, you're going to look at brick and mortar first. $60 price tag for the look of this game, I, I think it's definitely worth it. It's beautiful. They've also got, if you're into escape rooms, their big one is Unlock coming out. They've got three bases coming out in April, I believe. Quick, simple, card-driven escape room style game with different places that you're at. One, I believe you're trapped on an island. One is more like a traditional escape room. And they're, they're all driven by cards, that numbered cards, so you're going through. And I believe it's driven by an app to use with those cards. Little each each box is fourteen ninety nine. They're a single play, but if you really enjoy that escape room style, they they look really fun from that aspect. Now those games are going to be along the lines of games, kind of in the same vein as Time Stories, where you know you you can play through it, but once you once you've got the puzzle, then you need to get the next set. Or is this going to be something that's going to be replayable? Not not at all replayable. Once you've been through it once, you've solved the puzzle and you're done with it. I think that's why they put it at that $14.99 or $15 price tag. It's a little bit easier for somebody to stomach playing so through it once. Closer to the. Um, remember when, like, murder mystery games were a thing and you'd invite all your friends over and do, like, a murder mystery game and it was basically an all printed out on paper and you'd have roles that you were playing? But you only did that that one time. So it's probably just an updated, cleaner, better version of that idea of you're going to have. The family all come over and try to solve this puzzle and then be done with it. Yeah, I think it's those games. I think are kind of in the in the same realm as that. They're more kind of taking off of the the whole escape room craze, where they they physically lock you into a room and there's a variety of puzzles to solve inside the room, and then you you know hopefully within the hour you you're able to get your way out and solve all the puzzles. But yeah, kind of kind of the same. It's kind of the same idea. It's that sort of dinner theater style kind of murder mystery but you know this in this case there's no murder there's just a room and an escape yeah and, and it, it brings in that escape room feel it did win game of the year at the game festival in in february i believe that was the great plains game festival um don't quote me on that but it, it won game of the year at that festival so well, you've put it on the internet now so it's true um, outside of that, the, the other big one for me was uh, Plaid Hat and Z-Man. Uh, Plaid Hat has a Dead of Winter expansion coming out that I'm super excited for. This is a true expansion for Dead of Winter. 
called warring colonies. Their, their big thing was it, it, you could tie both of the Long Night and the original Dead of Winter together with warring colonies, set up an 11-player game, and have two separate tables, one playing each of the bases, playing this warring colonies, and you're both warring against oh each other. Oh my gosh. How... Did they have a game time projected on that? Like, how long it would take? No, they really didn't. They do incorporate a timer with it, so each player's turn is timed. You don't have to play it with both the Long Night and the base. That is a special mode for it. it. It's more meant to be set up with just one of the bases, and then you have two colonies kind of warring against each other. Yeah, but if you're a person who ahead. likes like, that big, epic game, it sounds like this could definitely be an option for you in that realm. If you have a lot of friends that really like Dead of Winter and you really want to play a big game with it, if we had it friends. could be really fun. If, you, if, you, if you're one of those people that really sat down and played a game of Dead of Winter and said, I could really use another four hours of this. And if you're the gamer that actually has friends. <laughs> and has more than, more, than, more than four friends because, you know, friends. we... No game goes above five. But they're supposed to also be updating the app for that at some point. Um, there's still delays, it seems it like, on it. all apps. Well, I know that one of the biggest, most anticipated apps is the one that everybody's waiting for, for the Star Wars Imperial Assault. And I know that there's some legal issues there because basically Star Wars and all of Disney is saying that using an app is coming too close to making a Star Wars video game, which they don't have rights for. You know, uh, Fantasy Flight doesn't have rights for that. So it's kind of a big legal mess right now and it makes you really wonder like is that how things are going to go out obviously if you're not dealing with an ip or something like that but it really does make you wonder especially as more and more comes out it's like okay so what where does that that line gets more and more blurred yeah my my advice here is is just step gently away from those those ips those you know the the star wars and you know things like that You, you might just have to release desire on getting getting the full experience out of those games because you know that there's going to be you know there's going to be a legal team overseeing that project that's going to be bigger than most of the teams that build games for for other projects. You know, I think speaking of Dead of Winter, Dead of Winter does it well. And anybody who plays Dead of Winter, it's The Walking Dead in a box, like especially the original. Um, but they did it well. I mean, it does have that same feel as Walking Dead, but they didn't you know, they didn't use the IP. Um and I think that's kind of the realm you go for, is if you want to use something like that, really look at doing it in your own tone, but maybe just influenced by. I don't know. Star Wars is a, is a hard one that they can't really pass up doing a game with that IP because it sells. And yeah, it really and doesn't fair. matter what the game is, it's going to sell. Yeah, and that's that's fair. But, I, I, you know, me personally, I those those big brands like that, I'm... I tend to steer steer a little bit away from them. Star Wars has put out a lot of games recently, and uh, I, I'm I'm less than excited about it. You know, if they they put out another film, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the theater. They will ha- they will have my money. I don't even care how bad it is. But uh, you know, as far as the games, I, I don't I don't like getting that feeling that that they were they had, their hands were tied that they were limited on what they were producing, and, and for that reason, I'm a little. With a little the reluctant lack of to, well, I mean, there's that too. Like, why, why are we going to leave him out? What's 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 that supposed to be about? 
Misa's so sad. So, okay, Jay, is that is that kind of cover everything, or are you... That, that covers the majority of the things. They didn't really talk much about Pandemic Legacy Season 2. But it was there. It, it was there in a slide... And then they mentioned that it's 71 years after the original yeah. Pandemic Legacy, which has already been spoiled. It references Season 1 very minorly, so which you I don't have to have played Season 1 to play Season 2. If you have played Season 1, you'll catch up. You'll catch on some of those references. So, so here's, the, here's the other question, then. Is, is Season 2 going to have Season 1 spoilers? If I want to play Season 2, then Season 1, am I okay? I believe they said there aren't any true spoilers, but it does reference Season 1. So there are potential okay. that you could kind of catch on some of it. Yeah, it probably won't tell you outright this is what happens, but yeah. definitely would allude you to that. It won't tell you there's a traitor, but it might allude to it. Spoilers! I spoiled that in the last episode. Oh, Come well, on. Put spoil, yeah, yeah. You know, put ev- everybody, everything. everybody rewind about 30 seconds and then... <laughs> And then stop listening, and you'll we'll, we'll be fine. You'll we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be you're right. fine. Re- rewind 30 seconds and fast forward 30 seconds so you miss the spoiler. There, there you go. go. There okay. you go. Problem solved. Unspoiled. <laughs> There's also an expansion for Carcassonne, a tenth expansion, <laughs> under the big top, all circus related expansion. Okay. 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 Hi. Interested. Uh huh. And they did mention that they are not able to do a Star Wars Carcassonne product in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, we're back to the same same place we were at a minute ago, right? It's. I figured while we were on Star Wars, yeah. we wouldn't mention that there. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not that sad about it because I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I wouldn't get excited about what they were going to do with Star Wars Carcassonne. I think, I think when they're free to do their own thing, they're they're probably going to produce a better product for it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Especially when you got something with the simplicity of Carcassonne. I mean, we've seen other games go this way of just grab an IP and produce essentially the same game under that IP. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's just changing the artwork, but the game is still the same. So it's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So we kind of touched on some apps and how that kind of blurs the lines. And so tonight, I did want to talk a little bit about technology in the board gaming world. Um, we're seeing more and more and more of that be really blended and that line kind of coming you know, more and more vague as to where it is. Um, I want to talk uh, start talking about, you know, we've got board game apps, as in we've ported the board game to an app. You can play it on your iPhone, your iPad, you know. We've seen uh, Asmodee is doing a lot of their apps, a lot of their games into an app style, and doing it really well. Um, what are your guys' and, thoughts on doing that? You know, they Asmodee has also just recently done their their spring sale for those apps, so they've, they've dropped oh, yeah. the price on... On several of them, uh, you know, I mean, it's nothing, nothing too exciting. It's you know, they have several games: Ticket to Ride, Small World Two, uh, you know, two dollars. Splendor, Pandemic is at two dollars. Uh, so the, the, I, I need you to slow down. I'm trying to go and download all those right now. Hold on. <laughs> well, I, I, I said Pandemic. You, and Jay's, you get that? Go, go for that. <laughs> and Jay is out for the rest of the episode, Paul. Um, yeah, so no, as as apps go, it's 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 a it's an it's an interesting oh. sale if mm-hmm. you've been waiting on them, but uh, but the it's not Cult- necessarily they're giving them away. Cult Express just came out in an app version. Mm-hmm. Also on sale. 
They also have Potion Explosion in an app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Castles of Mad King Ludwig in an app. Oh, and Mysterium. Let's not, not forget Mysterium. <laughs> Cthulhu Realms. Well, okay. Maybe not. I don't think the audience just wants to hear us list off the apps. And Lanterns. All good apps. Okay. Yeah. My, I feel like our listeners are an intelligent group of people and will look up the apps. I don't know. I have a hard time finding board games, board game apps on the App Store. Are you serious? Yes, I can't just search board game apps. It uh, comes up with there's not random boards. No, there's you, not a specific section. No, for that. you look for like the designer. Look for Asmodee. I need a bo- I need a specific section for board games. Well, I am not Apple support, so I cannot help you. But I can give you that email address after we're done. <laughs> so for me, I have not decided whether I love board game apps. Or not. Um, there's a couple that I play regularly, Nourishima Hex. Um, and then for me, board game apps were almost an entry level to modern board gaming. So that was kind of a cool situation because my husband and I would play Small World on the app all the time just thinking it was a fun app we found online, little two-player game. We're like, this is super fun. And then lo and behold, one day we're in a store and it's like, oh my gosh, this is a real board game and we need this. And then... Now we're at 200 games later, and here we are. Um, but I also don't like I don't like it when the focus is on the app, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't like that being my only means. Now it would be great uh, if I didn't have a regular group. I just don't want playing the game on the app to take the place of face-to-face board gaming. No, I think I think they're a good place to to kind of practice i think my you know my my favorite right now is i just downloaded the the pandemic app um yeah and and, and, no. and i will say I, I will suggest that uh perhaps in the future we just make this a pandemic podcast and just just focus entirely on pandemic that's that's probably my my suggestion here uh but you know <laughs> i i did i did download the pandemic app and uh i played through it a few times i've played that game dozens or hundreds of times at this point in my life uh, and I just never, never downloaded the app because I never, never had an interest in it. Also, I think it was the last time I looked at it. It was, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to ten dollars for it, and and that's a that's a bit yeah. much for me to throw on an app. But now that and they you dropped, don't pay over two dollars for an app, so yeah, yeah. So I, now it's two dollars. Uh, I gave I them, I gave them two dollars. I'm happy. I don't, about I don't that. know that I agree with that. I feel pretty comfortable when it comes to a board game app. If I'm uh, about five bucks or under, I'm feeling okay with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually fine with that. Um, you know, I prefer my apps to be a dollar. I don't know why, but I think a dollar is a good price point for an app. They they probably don't make a whole lot of money doing that, so especially considering that they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pay just to post that app. So every time I yeah. give them a dollar, they're getting they're getting probably a quarter of that. But you know, it's it's to me, it's an interesting it's an interesting way to. Kind of, kind of get some get some time in with the game, get some experience. I think you know, it's for, also for, great, but I think it's good try before you buy, especially if you're a gamer on a budget or you don't get a lot of like time to play a game, so you really can't justify dumping the money on a big game like that. It's a great pr- try before you buy, and especially if the apps are on sale. <laughs> yeah, that's especially good. But hey you guys, know, it's, it's, hey guys, it's, there's apps on sale. You should get them. <laughs> I'm trying, but I can't find them. This podcast yeah. is not supported or funded by any of anybody. No, but unless they want to, I mean, we're, unless they we're want open, to, then you know, we're, yeah, call us. Ho- I can ho- spend the whole boy. podcast saying Asmo Day over and over if they'll sponsor. <laughs> yeah, fifteen cents every time. Let's go. Uh, you know, but I, I, I love I love any game that has achievements, and I and I love that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. 
you can, you can get the you app and uh, and you, s- you spend some time just chasing those achievements and you really do kind of learn a lot about about different strategies and different mechanisms. I've already uh, been you know been playing a few days on the the pandemic app and I've already managed to get the the eradicate three diseases achievement. <laughs> Uh, I was really close to getting all four eradicated, but uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of stalled a little bit and got down to the last round, and you know, and then a couple of yellow cards got pulled, and there was, there was just nothing I was going to be able to do about. It. I had, I think I, I think I finished with one card left in the player deck, and just had to, had to finish it then. But you know, I won. I had three diseases eradicated, and almost had a fourth. Uh, so, so you know, it's it's pretty exciting. Get to do some things that it's a lot harder to do with the regular board game because you've got the the setup time, you've got the other players involved, you got to get it all going. And it, so, with the app, you can run through several iterations of the game, you know, in an afternoon. A note to the audience: it is driving Paul crazy that we have not met the achievement in size for somebody winning in 2017. So that is kind of how bad it gets. No, I thought you. I thought you. I thought you we, did we that didn't one. Meet that oh, we didn't meet yeah. it finally. It's it's the, 20, it's the was... 2020 you haven't done yet. <laughs> it, Sorry, it really built in some longevity into that game. <laughs> I gotta um, say, I love the achievement achievements though inside. It, it was a great idea. <laughs> okay, but that's not not the same thing. <laughs> oh, it's I mean, totally it's, the same thing. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not far off. The the other thing I'll, I'll mention about apps that I really enjoy. From playing as a single player, if you're on a flight or something, oh yeah, is the campaign style of an app. The most of the apps now are building in this little campaign setup. I know Colt Express has done it, and a lot of the others. So it gives you kind of a, a, a campaign to play through of multiple games, single player, where you have specific objectives. Some of it, the first few, will teach you how to play the game, and then it keeps going where you don't necessarily have the normal game objective you have these other alternative game objectives. So I, I really like that with those apps, that it kind of gives it an extra flair to it. Yeah, and I think another good use for those apps is I've played with both of you guys and a couple other people, um, is like patchwork. Um, mm-hmm. If I work with you, I would never play this while being at work, but in your downtime, you can take your turn and then it passes and then you get notified when the other person took their turn and you can kind of go back and forth. I think Patchwork has done it right and gives you like a 24-hour time frame before it cancels your game. So you can't like just take forever. Um, but I think it's really good for that situation. Once again, if you don't have a, a steady game group where you know, you've moved or whatever, um, it still allows you to kind of have uh, that interaction of a true gaming where you can kind of talk back and forth and be like oh that was a good move or oh this is terrible you know things like that um so you're not completely losing the human part of the game of the game to the app yeah so this is the this is the the modern day version of playing a game of chess through mail you know it's yeah you you, you play your turn you send it off in a letter and you know, in you know, in a week they get it, they make their play, and then a week later they send you their their response, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, with the apps, we get to speed up that process a whole lot. I play Ticket to Ride an app a ton just because my significant other <laughs> yeah. really enjoys Ticket to Ride. It's one of the few board games she actually plays, and we'll we'll be sitting at the dinner table out to dinner or sitting around the house, and we'll pull up Ticket to Ride and play a game. We don't have to pull out the boards, set up everything, clean up all the trains afterwards. But it's the We're components. Lazy. you got to touch the components. 
with Ticket to Ride, there's not enough components to want to touch the components. I do, I do like the components, but I, I, I had a, I had a good round of, of achievement chasing in that game as well. I did. <laughs> I, I think I had all of the. They, they, they reworked it. They, they made some changes in the app. Uh, a, you know, a year, year and a half ago. Yes, yeah, been a while. Uh, but you know, back then, I had, I had all of the. Um, everything they had in app form at that point, basically, they had the the Europe, your Switzerland, all of the all of the uh, U.S. maps and and the the map packs associated with that had all that stuff in there, and so uh, along with that came a lot of a lot of different achievements, which kind of made interesting interesting challenges, some some really really creative things you can do. I, I believe uh, in Switzerland there was one to to build a track that connected all all four countries all four neighboring countries i believe um you know I had, I had a lot of fun kind of fighting with that that one was a big challenge but that's that's something i really enjoy about those apps because if, if i'm going to sit down and play a game i'm not trying to achieve that goal i'm, I'm mostly just playing to win the game uh, which is fun in its own right but sometimes i want an, a little bit extra challenge it's like okay win but win in this creative interesting way and i think um Outside of just true board game apps, we are seeing more and more apps involved and being used in the physical game itself. Uh, Mansions of Madness uh, 2, or 2nd edition, did a really good job with this. Descent has done some of this, where it's kind of blending and using an app surface. Uh, Dead of Winter does it with the cards. What, what do you guys see? Is that a good trend? Is that something you want to see more of? Is that something that we're going to take a little bit at a time. What do you guys think on that? I really like adding in the app. I think it adds in variety and that little bit of flair you can't get out of just standard cards or a standard single person running a game like Descent or Mansions of Madness. Yeah, it, it kind of replaces that extra person too because that's that 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 extra you know that extra person has been a staple of of those kinds of games, especially the scenario based games for a long time. You know. Descent has, has been around a while, but way back to to Hero Quest that we talked about last time, you you had to have that extra player that would that would run the bad guys and run the board. But you know now we can just have an app and let the app take care of that all of that for us. So it saves you know saves a lot of uh, coordination and, and and other things that that might be a challenge for certain groups. You say, okay, well, we're all players. The, the app's going to run the game for us. We don't need that extra person. So if we're one person short, we, we can probably still make it work. It'd probably still be okay. And uh, especially when you think about a game like Alchemist, that's, that's in the extreme. I, I don't know if anyone has ever actually played that without the app. Uh, but, you know, we, 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 we looked over the mechanism for that. And you basically have one player who knows, you know, who knows all of these formulas. And their only job is to is to give people the the clues like if they make a make a potion to tell them tell them what the effect was and they just kind of sit there and do that friend, all day. If you're making your friend do that part and not use the app, I'm going to say you don't like your friend very much. So that's just a brutal brutal job. Maybe they're just not fun to play board games. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I do like incorporating the apps to it. I think it just needs about it just needs to be taken a little bit of time. I don't want to see every game coming out with an app. And there, there continues sure, yeah. to be more, but it's not it's not hitting real heavily because I think there is some pushback on that. Not everybody really enjoys the app. It requires that somebody have their phone at the table dedicated it's to that game. Kind of, kind or, of a paywall there. You know, you, you're asking for someone to have 
a smartphone, which I think you know we we all do, and most of the people we game with do. But uh, but that can be a turnoff for some people. And, and I mean, it can bring a distraction to the game. De- yeah, definitely, I agree with both those things. So, all right, well, I think that about wraps us up. Uh, people, we would love to hear from you. So, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Breaking the Dice. Give us some comments. Some. We'd love some constructive criticism, some questions. We'll answer them here on the show. We'll address them. We're also looking at doing some live stuff in the future, so if that's something you think you'd like to see or be part of, uh, just let us know. And is there any other platforms we can find? Uh, that's it, Twitter another, or Facebook? Another reminder that we're we're still uh, good to go. We'll be at, we'll be attending Gen Con, the three of us. So, so we're, we're hoping to bring some, bring some exciting news. Just the three of us. We can make it if we try. Uh, hey, hey, no, you went too far. We're we're also taking applications for for some some other people to uh, <laughs> get, get get me away from from these guys every once in a while. <laughs> and applications to pay for the media rights for the song we just sung. <laughs> oh yeah, wait. I think we on. went a little too long. <laughs> hold on, I think we got to write a check. Hold yeah. on. No, I I think you have to I think you have to make it sound like the original song to worry oh, about that. Oh wow. Oh, that was oh well, if that's all it means, I could sing the whole time. We wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> all right, I'm into wow. it. We'll do all that. Right. We'll do that next time. Okay, yeah, acapella, breaking the dice. Let's go. Um, so anyway, find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking, and let us know what you think of the show so far. Um, and yeah, definitely comments, questions, concerns. Uh, next week we'll be talking about some new games we're trying out. I'm hoping to get Mystic Veil taken care of. We've got a couple of other things on the horizon, and yeah, definitely trying to knock out a more higher player count of Vast. Um, and so we can hopefully report that Vast. back to you. I'm wanting to get a few games of Element in. Element. Element was a game released in March. Did, is that a game we own, or is that a game we it, it might be a game we own. Oh, okay. I'm like... Did Once he I just, go to the Village Geek... Did he just make up my, a game? <laughs> my, my friendly local game store to pick up this game. We are also not sponsored by Village Geek, but if they want to. so We're, we're right. also not sponsored by Casper Mattress, but, you know, in case you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll shill. It's okay. All right, well, have a great night, guys, and we will see you next time on Breaking the Dice. Thank you for joining us this month as we explore the world of board games. Please look us up on Facebook or Twitter, at Breaking the Dice, and give us your thoughts and feedback.